the putting the pieces of a puzzle together. So our babies, we were just talking about this, but they're so complex and there's so much going on. And so just to sort of try to put that all together and come up with a plan of care that over time you can see a, an improvement or a more positive outcome for that patient. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome back to the Nurse Tori Selfie Show, where I am on a mission to make healthcare hip one selfie at a time. These are really unusual times. We are in a global pandemic during the release of this episode. And honestly, over the past few weeks, I had really been torn if I should continue releasing these episodes and maybe I should stop and take a minute and distance away from the social media and various platforms. But I just don't think that would do justice to our profession. These times really represent some of the brightest, most dedicated professionals and People are putting their lives on the line every day. So I guess what I'm getting at is now more than ever, I feel it is so important to be highlighting the amazing things that we are doing here in the healthcare space. In our profession, we've chosen a path, a calling to go above and beyond. And I'm very content knowing right now I'm offering you a place to learn a place to hear from providers, and a place to be inspired. In healthcare, we work diligently to save our patients, to heal the sick, support new life, and be a guiding light in health and wellness. So I really hope that you find this episode answers questions and provides you a minute away from the craze and even encourages you to make healthcare even better. So that's my justification to continuing on and I hope you feel the same. So thank you so much for being here with me. This particular episode is a very special one. This is by far, you guys, my most requested topic. So neonatal nurse practitioner 101. I'm bringing on Karen Rapport today. And let me just tell you guys, she is such a gem of a person, so kind, so loving. And we're talking all things NNP, level four NICU provider perspective. We go into the qualities of a good NNP, the scope of practice. We talk about the workflow. We really go micro on what it's like to be an NNP, saving tiny lives. So with that, let's get into the show. Sitting across from me today is my very beautiful Dewey co-host, Taylor Ebner. Hello, hello. Ah, Fellow NICU nurse. And uh, she actually came on, I don't, back in NICU 101 for that episode. And she's making a reappearance today. Everybody. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) We're getting our flow. Um, So she was here for NICU Nurse 101. And I thought it would be fun to bring Taylor in today to co-host with me and bring some questions and another perspective because this is actually... Probably one of my most um, requested topics ever. When I started the whole, um, ner- n- I'd say, nurse practitioner journey, um, a lot of people had questions for me regarding um, the reason I chose my specialty and things like that. And I chose a different route, but I really, a lot of people have a lot of questions about the neonatal nurse practitioner route. And Taylor here is in currently in school for her I definitely NMP. have some questions. Yeah. <laughs> So it's perfect because uh, she's currently in school to become an NNP. And so um, today I am very, very excited to bring in um, Miss Karen Rappaport. 
Hi. Welcome today. I'm so happy to have you on today. Thanks, Tori, for having me. Um, something I feel like, so this is a very niche part of the world and we have so many questions um, for you about this amazing po- patient population and just what you do the day in and day out of the NNP. Um, you know, there's a lot of also kind of newcomers coming up in the nurse world who just kind of want to know a little bit more about the role, what it's like, and how to get into that industry. You know, just a lot of questions. So without further ado, let's just go jump into it. Great. Um, so Miss Karen, um, let's start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your beginning career days, how you became an NNP, and things like that. So my name is Karen Rappaport. This year, I will have been a neonatal NP for 20 years. Oh my gosh. Which is so that's crazy. A, that's amazing. <laughs> um, I've been married for 16 years. I have a 12-year-old daughter, a 9-year-old son, and... Um, I, this is really the only career that I've ever known. So I, um, was one of those babies, toddlers who just loved babies. It was like one of my first words. I was always just drawn, yeah, just drawn (laughs) to babies. Um, and when I was in elementary school, my family told me the story of when I was born and my mom had been really, really sick and basically was fighting for her life for the first two and a half months of my life. And I was housed in the hospital nursery. um, And there was a neonatologist there who fought for me to stay in the hospital to help give my mom a reason to live. Mm -hmm. And then also um, the nurses in the nursery got to play with me because I was, you know, a healthy baby, which is not what they were used to, or they would keep them for a few days and send them home. So once I heard that story when I was in third grade, I knew I wanted to be in the NICU. You were set. Yeah. You knew. Yep. Um, where did you attend school? So I went to UCLA. Okay. Um, I started out pre-med very briefly, and then I realized <laughs> that was not quite the right path for me. And I had grown up with a neighbor who was a family nurse practitioner, yeah. and so I um, started to consider that as a career during my freshman year at UCLA. But that's also the same year that UCLA dropped their nursing program which was really crazy. Um, So I had to decide whether to stay at UCLA or transfer, and I decided to stay and got my degree in psychology. And I learned about a program at Vanderbilt called the Bridge Program, and it allowed people who had undergraduate degrees in other fields to get their master's in nursing and um, become nurse practitioners, and they had a neonatal program at that time. Um, and so it was just exactly what I needed. So graduated from UCLA and moved to Nashville, Tennessee. Wow. Um, and it was a pretty intensive two-year program with full summer semesters as well. Mm-hmm. And near the end, I knew I wanted to come back to California. So I arranged to do clinicals um, back in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And at the end of my clinicals, uh, the children's hospital that I was at offered me a position where they would basically take me under their wing and train me for the first year of okay. employment. Right. Um, and it was such a great opportunity. Yeah. I was just really 
supported. Yeah, you had a good, yeah, a good transitional program or transition. Yeah. Which I think is hit or miss in the in the NP world. It's sort of like you kind of, it's sort of like seeking that job um, or the right fit to have a good transition is a really big, a key part. Yes, yes. <laughs> and just having a strong mentor you know, really helped you. Yes. So a little bit different than some of the journeys out there. So some journeys start bedside, right, NICU? So Taylor, you and I started mm-hmm. bedside. And we've worked, I've worked like seven, eight, eight years. Eight years. Eight yeah. years as a NICU nurse. And then, you know, we're both diving into the next role, um, just knowing kind of what we want now. Um, but can you speak to maybe a little bit of, like, the way you became and you didn't you did not work bedside first, correct? Correct. Yes. So just, yeah. my journey is definitely very different than a lot of nurse practitioners, and it just sort yeah. of happened that way. Right. Which is I think that's amazing because I think what something that drives me nuts is when people just want to put cookie cutter um, things on, say you can't do this, you can't do that, and I just think that that's so not right. Like everyone's journey is different. Right. And um, so at the time, did you feel like you needed to work bedside with the transition or how do you feel about that? So I had two clinical placements Uh and one of them, they were basically go be a nurse and then come back in a couple of years. And then the other place said, we can do, you can do this and we can do this together and you can be successful and so in the beginning I definitely in my head struggled with what was the right approach but I just I don't know I felt like it was the right thing to do and then once I started in my position I also was fortunate that the nurses when they found out they were still giving me the benefit of the doubt and Um, letting me learn and grow and yeah that's wonderful you were in a good situation where that worked out well yeah um can you speak to a little bit of this is a big question I think that a lot of people really want to dive into is your scope of practice so um bedside wise you know I think we've talked a little bit about it but maybe the differences between the bedside role and the neonatal nurse nurse practitioner your scope sort of the procedures you can do and things like that So as a nurse practitioner in California, we function under standardized procedures. So those are written for things that we do that are outside of the role of the bedside nurse. So things like intubation, Mm -hmm. line placement, um, chest tube placement, lumbar puncture, you know, things that just require some extra training and um, are more specialized, um, as well as placing orders and ordering medications. Mm -hmm. Um, All of that is kind of dictated by the state and then by by these standardized procedures that are um, based in where you're working. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that allows us to do those things. Do you have a favorite procedure that you like to do or something that you like feel like you really enjoy doing? It's going to be crazy, but I like lumbar puncture. <laughs> I feel like that would be my scariest. I would be I so scared. I feel like scared. that's a great challenge. Like, how clear can you get? <laughs> yeah. The test, right. right. Um, I don't know. I will tell you very early on in my career, I really struggled with intubation. Um, it just yeah. didn't come around often enough. And right. so it was just really took me a while right. to get confident in that procedure and you know, each procedure has its own 
yes, journey. I will say that. Well, and Hot. you were also at a very high level um, hospital where there were no deliveries. So everybody, right. every patient that was there had something up. So I feel like let's there, explain probably... that a little bit. Let's explain that because I think people don't really level four NICU. So you work in a level four NICU. I do. And um, can you maybe explain the dynamics? Because I think that does affect your role, right? So it does. Yes. So there are no deliveries where I work. It's a um, consult referral based level four hospital. Yes. Yes. Everyone is coming to our hospital for a reason. So whether it be surgical Mm -hmm. or just something going on that your smaller units aren't able to deal with Mm -hmm. um, or needing a consultant or all of those things so a lot of the babies come to us they're already intubated or they already have their line placed and um so that they don't have normal anatomy and if you go to intubate it's it's more difficult so you kind of yes you started one without the bedside and two in a very intense unit so you probably learned a lot, yes. you know, I but, did. but your yeah. skills are probably great now because of that. <laughs> they as you they have come a smile. far way, I will say. They've yeah. come a far way. Right. Yeah. And then as far as like the role, I mean, I guess the big, there's two big differences, right? So you have delivery hospitals and then you have, you're basically in a surgical based hospital, correct? Yes. Can you speak to that role a little bit, like a little bit more about your role as an NP and like surgically what are things that you're looking at on the daily and things like that. Our unit is definitely heavily surgical um, so it requires a lot of collaboration with our surgeons um, and just learning over time about different diagnoses that are bringing these babies into our unit. It may not be something that you see very often or something that you've never seen before but so we are constantly you know, learning. I know. I feel like a day in the NICU, it's, you always feel like you're learning. It doesn't matter how long you've worked in a NICU. It's yeah. constantly learning. Okay. So this is where my question comes. Give me the real tea. Working in a level four surgical hospital, you have to work with a lot of doctors and surgeons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think nurses and doctors are very different. Yeah. Personality wise, there's just a lot different. So like, Let's hear the real. What is it like to have to work <laughs> with them the and ultimately real. get their approval? Right. <laughs> so I will say that that's probably one of the hardest things about being a neonatal NP in a level four teaching hospital. Right. Is that a big part of our role is kind of being the middleman between the attending and the consulting service or the nurse and the RT or you know it's (laughs) sort of playing this role of trying to bring everybody onto the same page for the plan of care and it's definitely a lot of the time not easy yeah Yeah. you're dealing with a lot of personalities you're you're kind of like the peacekeeper too like you're kind of the the go-to yeah and you're to like have everyone every angle coming to you because I know for me as a nurse I would rather go to an NP because I feel like I relate more with them and I feel like they're a little more level-headed and like understand me more Mm -hmm. um whereas going to the doctor it's just it's just different I feel like the personalities are different so I feel like you have the nurses coming to you and probably the RTs as well Uh, but then you have doctors coming down to ask you what they're saying or what it just seems like a lot to juggle in one day and and then you have six patients right that 
you've got six nurses how many, to deal with. That's a good that. question. Right. At your hospital, how many patients do you take on a day? Uh, so on average, it's six to seven. Okay. Yeah. That's I've a- definitely had more. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Which is not fun. But yeah, yeah six to seven is fairly manageable. Um, and it's true, the nurse has one or two patients, and I have six or seven. So the nurse can give me so much more input about that patient than I can ever sort through right. in a day right. trying to take care of all of my patients. What does sort of um, a day in the life look like for you? So you get into work, and then what is your flow? Or like, what time? What time do you get up? First of all, let's start there. Oh, and do then you what, really want to know? Yeah, I want to know. Like, let's keep in mind, you live far. I do yeah. live far. But I, that's the point. I think that's. I mean, I commute. Mm-hmm. We both commute. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So I get up at four fifteen on work days. Okay. Actually, when I first started as an NMP, my boss told me, you don't know if you're ever going to get breakfast at work, so you always have to eat before you come. And I've like lived by that my whole career. So I eat breakfast, eat. I sit for a few minutes, yeah. just try to kind of, you know, be calm and then get on the road. Um, mm-hmm. And I try to get to work between 6.15 and 6.30. Okay. I figure out my patient assignment and start going through the data for my patients. So okay. looking through the chart, uh, around 7, we get sign-out from the overnight covering provider. Okay. And then um, by 8.15, we have radiology rounds moving into multidisciplinary bedside rounds at 9. So those first couple of hours are really key for information yeah. gathering. And if one of my babies I know is sick... I try to touch base with that nurse earlier on in the morning because uh-huh. otherwise sometimes I don't get to see my nurses and my patients until during rounds. Right. Um, Which can be like, what, 10 or 11? Well, so they start at 9 and but they yeah, go, and 12, say, probably. maybe 2 to 4 hours depending on your attending. Right. <laughs> um, and, and what's going on in the unit, of course. So when you round um, at your facility, it's typically with an attending correct you yes and then who else um or is there like a dietitian yes or? so nutri- nutrition dietitian is usually with us a pharmacy hit or miss mm-hmm. at least one day a week um and discharge planning um they'll come especially for babies who are getting close to discharge they'll pop in for that baby's rounds yeah um and then depending on if you have a fellow on your team they'll mm-hmm. be there yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, that's really interesting. I like hearing the workflow. And then, so you um, so you go through rounds, and then you're rounding with your patients. And then, end of the shift, are you doing notes and follow-up? Like, how does that usually, like, second Writing half of the day? In. Yeah, so as soon as rounds are done, I make myself a cup of tea. <laughs> I'm a creature of habit. Um, and then I sit down and do my orders, TPNs, um, call consultants, whether it's a new consult or touching base with consultants that are already involved with the baby, mm-hmm. um, reaching out to families for updates or if we need consent for a procedure, yeah. doing procedures. Uh, writing progress notes, and then discharge planning if there is a baby who's getting close mm-hmm. uh, to going home. Thank goodness we have great discharge planners who really yeah, keep I us on track. It's probably unique to, I think, I wish every NICU had one oh of my those. Oh, my God, yeah. 
They're we're really so lucky. Helpful. I yeah. do. It's, it's amazing the things you do have at big centers. Right. You know? So that is super helpful. Yeah. We'll say that. What are some... Sorry, were you going to say something? Oh. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say that then sign out. So yeah. around five, if the unit is quiet, yeah. around five we'll start sign out. And that kind of ties up the end of our day. And then what are you usually out the door? Like going home. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Here's another quirk. It's the traffic. So... I know. Yeah. I leave... Um, Usually like six thirty or seven or seven thirty. Okay. And I'm home by eight or eight thirty. It's a long day. It's a long day. What yeah. do you do between sign out and seven or seven thirty? So I usually sign out last. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, so Tori and I have both worked with her yeah. and she is like I know from doctor's perspectives and from fellow perspective that she is the one that they want to give the sign out to or get the sign out to because she's always on time and she doesn't mind like waiting around to give sign out. She's yeah. just chill. Easy. Easy. Yeah. So, yeah. and you know, these young whippersnappers, they have things they need to go to. I would just be sitting <laughs> well, in traffic. Well, you're just a mama too. <laughs> well, I but you know, I'd be mm-hmm. sitting in traffic. So, I don't mind. And it's also um, when you're not there, like I'm only there a couple days a week, Mm -hmm. say, then I want to just make sure all the loose ends are tied up. And, you know, it's, there's a lot to be done. So is it, I mean, typically as far as amount of shifts, like, is it like kind of like us where it's three twelves, you know what I mean? Or like four tens or something like that? Yes. Essentially. Yeah. So it's three to four twelves. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's for full time. And then what about your weekend? You don't do any nights, right? Thankfully no (laughs) nights, which makes the Mm. schedule so amazing. Yeah. Um but weekends you start out working every other Mm -hmm. and then after a certain number of years at our I mean, you've been there for 20 years. You've earned that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's another thing, couple. too, is, like, earning your time. That's a big thing that I'm a big believer in is sort of, like, putting in your time. You got to do it. We all did weekends. We all did nights. You know. Yeah. A time and then and a there's place. a reward. Yeah. Okay. Hate to change the subject, but I'm going to go back to my original question because I feel like you didn't, you didn't fully answer because I think you're just trying to be sweet Karen. <laughs> Tell me what you dislike. She about, wants you or to what is difficult. Like, yeah. I need to know because I'm going to be in your role and I need to know what to expect if, you know, you think it's peachy keen and it's great, right? But, like, if there's something that I need to, <laughs> yeah, you know. Prepare yourself for it. Yeah. Give me, give me the tea. All right. Before we dive into that, I have something really special for you. Let's talk NICU gifts and tips. Throughout my time as a NICU nurse, I've truly valued finding ways to help support both my patients and their families. Many of our patients are with us in the NICU for months, during which time moms and dads must go home without their most precious piece of themselves. That's why when I discovered Finn the Panda, I knew I needed to share this as a resource with you. Finn the Panda was created by NICU mom who spent several months of her son's first year of life in the hospital. Michelle, like so many NICU moms, knew the stress and pressure of hospital parenting. So she was determined to make a difference and she created Finn the Panda. Let me explain. Finn the Panda is exactly what he sounds like, a small eight-inch panda bear, but he is so much more than that. Finn was designed to support the scent, sound, and sight of a growing NICU baby. This panda is made with antimicrobial treated 100% cashmere. 
For scent, this panda has a removable scent patch to be worn by the care provider and then reattached to provide a familiar smell for the baby. For sound, Finn also has a recording device. This can record up to one minute and can be played back once or on repeat. For sight, the panda is black and white to appeal to baby's early vision. Research has proven that black and white contrasts register powerfully on baby's retina and send the strongest visual signs to a baby's brain. And of course, all NICUs have different policies, so work closely with your NICU team to see how you can implement Finn at the bedside. If you are a NICU parent, family member, or even a NICU care provider, Finn is a great gift to consider for your NICU baby. Check them out on Instagram at F-I-N-N and Co. Gifts and head over to www.finnandcogifts.com and use code NURSETORY for 20% off. All right, you guys, let's head back to the show. Okay, so one example I have of something that's really frustrating is when we're rounding and an attending says, oh, can you call this consulting service and ask them this question? And in my head, I'm thinking, that's a really silly question. I would rather not do that. (laughs) (laughs) And yet I still have to do it. Right. So my way around that is when I call, I always say, so my attending wanted me to call you and ask you this silly question because I don't know that it's important. Or Or like, so you're saying like pawning off things, you know, to you essentially. But you also don't want them to think that you're asking that question because you feel fully capable of right. answering that question yourself without giving them a phone call. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's one example. And then also... So wait, real quick. Oh, what yes. Can you not... Is it not, you know, kosher to say... Not necessarily talk back to the attending, but can you say, will he listen if maybe you think that, hey, I feel like we can answer that question on our own? Or is it just like you kind of have to do what they say? Because that would frustrate me. I know. I feel like maybe you're going to be better at that than I am. (laughs) Taylor's very assertive. (laughs) I'm more of a, like, smile and nod kind of person (laughs) in those situations. And I think it's something I could totally work on. I think, yes, I think there are definitely people who will say, really, do we need to do that? And I will to a point. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, But I don't ever like There's probably also different attendings that you know. Right. We'll listen in some better, like, dynamics. absolutely, like, call them. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. That yeah. was very Interesting true. Interesting dynamics to kind of gather. Okay. What are some... Well, she had another one. Oh, yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. What was your second thing? Like. It, yeah. I want to know. Well, it's sort of along those lines uh-huh. as being asked to initiate a consult for a question that I feel like we can answer. Right. Um, and so... That gets really frustrating yeah. too. Do you ever get so? Say you call the cons, you know, consulting, you know, doctor, whoever. Do they ever kind of question you, like why, or do they ever kind of get some? Oh wait, so can I ask? Do you feel like this is coming from younger attendings that are just inexperienced, or do you is this coming from like attendings who have a little bit more experience, but you just like think we can do it? You know what I mean? Younger. I say it runs the gamut, actually. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I could see how that would be very frustrating. Yeah. Because ultimately, yeah. it's you calling, you know. Right, right. But I love your little trick there, and I'm going to uh-huh. use that. <laughs> see, we're getting some tips, guys. These are all your tips. Here you go. 
what do you feel like are some important qualities that you should possess as an NNP? Like, what are some things you think are good things? Like, to listeners who hear, who, you know, potentially want to go in that realm, what are some qualities you think they should have as a successful NNP? Sure. I definitely think being a good listener, because you're definitely taking in a lot of information from a lot of different sources. So always listening. I think it's really important to be self-motivated because you can show up and do your job and not always go above and beyond. So I think that is important. And then things are always evolving in the NICU. Things have changed so much over the last 20 years. And so I think lifelong learning is critical. Um, And then because there are so many things coming at us to be super organized and have a system for how your day is going to go. And then because we're dealing with little teeny tiny babies to be very detail oriented and, you know, take the extra time to make sure Mm -hmm. that like your math is right. And, you know, the the event settings are what you think they are. Totally. So when you say go above and beyond, what are just a couple things that would be going above and beyond. I know you get there early and you stay late. That's very appreciated by a lot of people. But yeah. what else? Like what else? Visiting with families or taking the initiative to update? Like what are some things that you think makes you stick out as an NP versus, you know, between NPs? Like mm-hmm. what do you think? Uh-huh. I definitely think that like taking time for families is huge because sometimes they're not able to visit Mm -hmm. you know and you have to take that time to make a phone call and maybe get translation on the line and you know make that happen it's a commitment to that baby and Mm -hmm. to that family um I I think as a nurse that is the the biggest thing if my provider reaches out to the family without me having to ask five times hey can you come around and give this family an update because ultimately they're asking us as the nurse for an update but that's not our position so scope oh my gosh if I have a fellow or a NP or an attending that reaches out to the family without me having to ask and without the family having to ask it's huge yeah right so I think that's that is and taking that extra step I mean I know you know, being willing to sit there and wait for the translator to come or, you know, give us a minute to kind of get our bearings. I think that's a huge thing. I mean, we deal with language barriers, especially in the level for NICUs. We're dealing with families from all walks of life. And I would say language barrier is a big one. That's huge. Definitely. That's never fun, but definitely necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did see your face. You had something else to say. So what is another above and beyond? Yes. So I was thinking that um, when you come in and you have a set of patients and they have a diagnosis that maybe you're not familiar with or they're on a medication that you're thinking, oh, I haven't had a baby on this in five years, to go above and beyond is to like sit and take a few minutes and refresh yourself about Mm -hmm. why am I using this medication? Um, what's going on with this diagnosis, what's the pathophysiology, so that you can go about your day and know... Freshly. Yeah, yeah. what you need None to focus on for that patient. Right, 
Nice. And what resources do you use for that? Or do you just use good old Google? I mean, so Dr. Google is great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's also, you know, up to date is a really great resource. That's good to know. Um, Is that a, um, is that a search engine or what is that? Is that like a resource up to date? We'll figure We'll figure it out. We'll link it in the, in the notes somehow. Oh yeah. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) so that's good so that's a good resource you use yes Mm -hmm. yes and then you know looking things up we have some textbooks that are old yeah how often are you in those situations like who's your resource if you have questions like who do you go to like is it the attending is it another nurse practitioner oh yeah I you can always go to like the providers in the room with you if they've taken care of that baby, mm-hmm. um, but then the attending too, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, something I think is a little unique to the NNP role is how specialized it is, and I know Taylor and I have talked a lot about this um, because it is it's such a specialized role, and you're kind of you know, it's not like a pigeonhole, but it's kind of a pigeonhole, right? So. Can you speak to that a little bit? Um, do you feel like the maybe the pros and cons to that kind of aspect of the NNP? Sure. Definitely. It's kind of a loaded question. No, no. It's a good question, though. It yeah. really is. I think it's, it's a question that everybody going into NNP has. Yes. I mean, I definitely did. And is it smart to do this because it's such a small um, kind Boutique. of... Yeah community type mm-hmm. deal and maybe it's harder to get a job it's not as broad mm-hmm. um but yeah it's a question I have right. for you yeah so I think the NICU is such a unique and special place right there's no place like it in healthcare mm-hmm. and um for me it was the only place that I ever wanted to be there's nowhere else in a hospital or outpatient that mm-hmm. I would want to be right um so I think for me the decision was easy But as time has passed and I encounter nurses like you who are going back to school and they ask my opinion, it's hard because I do feel like if you know like 100% that NICU is where you want to be, Mm -hmm. then neonatal is the right path for you. But if you think that you might want to work in an outpatient setting or home health or Mm -hmm. any of those types of things, I think that something like pediatric NP or family NP like you're doing, Tori, Mm -hmm. are perhaps better options because the career possibilities are so much more vast. Right. It's interesting because I did my own little research and um, on the NNP role and there's some places that say in on, you know, various websites that you can work outpatient. And I'm do you feel like that's true? How often are you seeing NNPs work outpatient? I can't really picture it. Right. I don't know. So it's like you are any... you're signing up for acute care setting essentially. Yeah. Right. I think that's a realistic way to look at it. Yes. Um, I think there's a few places like clinics, outpatient clinics where maybe it's like a follow-up, but then you're if you get too far out, it's your age range starts getting out of your scope, right? Right. Yeah. So... I could imagine you could do the newborn infant period right but i don't think it would extend beyond that Mm -hmm. to the pediatric population that is still going to be coming to your clinic for their long term right yeah now on that note i'll just throw in this because when i was looking at nnp i did see that okay 
God forbid, like I don't want to be in the hospital or I move and I have to, or I have a family situation where I need to work like a clinic type hours, there is a postmaster's certification that you could get that's a year long. Yeah. And you could become a that's FNP a great or a option. PNP. Totally. Yes. So yeah. if you feel like Well, right that's for now, any NP masters, right? Any NPs, yeah. yeah. So like it's not the end of the world. I mean, it's not like you have to go back for another two and a half years right. to get become, say you want to do FNP like you are Tori and you want to work in more of a clinic or outpatient setting, you can go back. I mean, yes, it's another year of schooling, which is never fun, but there there is that option. It's not like yes. you're stuck there forever if you, right. know, you really hate it or something, or if you really need to get out. Right. Right. Yeah. Totally. That's a good so point. Yeah, there is that sure. option. Right. Yeah. Do you think there is anything that you would like to myth bust about the profession? Like anything that you feel like we should know. There's a couple of things. Okay. Ooh, okay. No, I can't write a prescription for your kid for antibiotics. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. People think I can, you know, diagnose yeah. anything. Yes. Like, oh, does this look like shingles? I don't know what shingles yeah. looks like. Babies don't get <laughs> shingles. Right. And that's speaking to the boutiqueness of, you know, what you're going to, right? Yes, absolutely. And then also the flip side of that for me knowing everything about everything. Uh-huh. Is yeah. Like, oh, you get to take care of sweet little babies. Yes. And not yeah. realizing how really? critical mm-hmm. the babies how critically ill the babies you're like, that no, we're this baby care has of. a life is on life support and has a tube and lines and pumps and monitors and yeah it's not it's not all pretty right right yeah that's i think a really good point you know what you're signing up for mm-hmm. yes and it's not, not all like that so, some nnp roles are far less you know i think there's different scopes i guess or not scopes but different um settings and nnps can have so it's not all like that but yeah because you do have the option as an nnp if you want to work at a small community hospital with six babies and for the most part they're not that their acuity is very low. You know, they have maybe a tube feeding, you know, mm-hmm. a feeding tube and level two, level they're three. just working on growing and you go to deliveries and if there's anything that is sick, you send them out to where you work, Karen. Right. So it's, you you do have the option of maybe a little more like what you see in movies of little babies. <laughs> maybe you're so cute, Mary's <laughs> Yeah. 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 But that's are. not what you do. No, it's, it's not. Definitely but there are those well. jobs out there for yeah. sure. Yeah. What's your favorite part of the NNP role? What do you love? I think my favorite part of the NNP role, other than taking care of babies mm-hmm. um, and spending time with my coworkers, is the putting the pieces of a puzzle together. So our babies, mm-hmm. we were just talking about this, but they're so complex and there's so much going on and so just to sort of try to put that all together and Mm -hmm. come up with a plan of care that over time you can see an improvement or a more positive outcome for that patient that is really good um we kind of touched on the least favorite part is there any other least favorite parts because you mentioned just kind of being the middleman but is there anything else you really like your least favorite part of the role those are probably the main things. I think sometimes the other thing is when we're poorly staffed. Mm-hmm. It's very, oh, yeah. very stressful. That's everywhere. Yeah. I think that is just, it is. It's really stressful. Yeah. And for nursing too. Yeah. You know, it, mm-hmm. it goes across the board for discharge planning. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it makes the job much more draining. Yeah, I would agree with that. So I think I have a question. Um, is it ever kind of, 
I guess because you didn't really do bedside. So for me, I wonder how it will be kind of transitioning from nurse to nurse practitioner. Like mm-hmm. my coworkers now will maybe if, you know, if wherever I work, if I work with them prior, be taking orders from me. Like, is it, do you ever feel weird kind of giving yeah, orders to all, you are more qualified for sure. But like, do you, have you ever become like kind of awkward where like you don't want to be demanding, but you have to be and oh yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> and I think for you, in that transition from bedside nurse to NNP, it might be hard if you're at the same facility mm-hmm. because they are used to seeing you in that light. But I think also they're gonna see you grow while you're in school and through clinicals, and so. I have seen one of my coworkers successfully achieve that, and she's done great, and people have a lot of respect for her, so it absolutely can be done. I mean, whether you're transitioning in the same hospital or not, there's always going to be those awkward situations Uh where maybe your nurse doesn't agree with your plan or something, and you just have to talk through it, and it goes back to... Yeah. You know, listening and having respect for each other. So, okay, one one other kind of stemming off of that. You were an NP at, what, 24, 25? 24. 24. Mm-hmm. What was it like to go in and tell, you know how some of those nurses of 30 years can be? They are <laughs> gung-ho. Like, whole, you know there yeah. are those ones that yes, know all. Yeah. Like, how was that writing their orders right that's a good that's a great question. like how do you approach somebody that has basically more experience more experience and thinks they run the roost yeah. and then you come in and it's the same with the doctors you know doctors and residents come in young yeah like how do you right. approach that or a young attending that you're like you don't agree with you yeah know? right like how do you walk that line um i think for me a lot of what i've done is like killing people with kindness mm. <laughs> Um, it's still it, your dynamic. I love that all is. the time. It is, you know, I, I don't even know how it worked out, but yeah. it did. And I definitely encountered people who probably didn't have very much faith in me, but they gave me the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. knowing that I was supported by strong people behind me also and that it wasn't just me going well, well and I'm sure you didn't come in there like yeah. and still don't I, I I you know I have the answers and I run the roost you probably right. asked yeah. them and listened to their opinions I don't think that's a dynamic yeah. right and yeah. I do think that's a big dynamic too with the way just healthcare is going in general is I feel like there's more and more opportunities for nurses so my where my head is going is like nurses who take on management positions in your unit and then all of a sudden they're your manager yeah like that's a very real thing now too you know especially when you get to be a nurse like us where you're eight years in and you're like oh people are taking on more roles and they all of a sudden have this dynamic authority kind of authority yeah authority it's definitely a dynamic i think um but yeah, and it's a gentle, I like your approach, Karen. That's, and this is why when I worked with you, I loved you because I just think you were so approachable. And I think that's what makes you such a great provider. And I think that's something that we don't value or we don't talk about as much. Like, I think that's such a dynamic that helps ultimately the patients. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, yeah, yeah the patients get yeah. better care because people mm-hmm. are able to communicate in a respectful way and you know I 
come in and I say, are you okay if I see your baby? And sometimes you're going to say, no, I just got him to sleep. Please come back at noon. And when I have time, I'm happy to do it that way. And then if I don't have time and I'm super busy that day, you'll respect me having to mm-hmm. say no I need to see him right now I'm so sorry right you know right. and it's killing with kindness yeah okay so do you have any advice for future nurses or someone who wants to become an NNP like pretend you're talking to Taylor here like you're looking right at her and you're saying here's my token piece of advice for you yeah I definitely think getting your RNC like kind of taking your opportunities that you have in your current job and um, just making the most of every learning experience um, every day that we have Um, and then for maybe a newer nurse or someone who's even considering nursing, I think volunteering is a really great way to expose mm-hmm. yourself to different areas yeah. in the hospital. Right. Um, even though I knew I wanted to do NICU, I did that in college and it was just yeah. reaffirmed that that's where Exposure. I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also there are great opportunities to job shadow these days. Mm-hmm. So if you see a nurse practitioner in your facility and you want to see what their job is all about just talk to them and right. most people are happy to have you spend half a day or a whole day with them right. just to get an idea of it networking i think that's a big yeah one. yeah networking and when you sure. can i also a lot of what i usually advise to a lot of nurses coming up is you know go become a, a certified nurse assistant cna or you know a scribe secretary even secretaries mm-hmm. low-key that's oh, a great yeah. job because yeah. you get exposed to so many yeah. things and just getting the exposure volunteering that's a good one too yeah and i do agree with you on take advantage of you know if you are a bedside nurse now ever since i started school or i was even thinking about it i mean i've always been involved in the care and like reading all the notes and stuff but I now feel like I put myself in the position of, okay, if I was in charge of this baby right now, what would I do? So it's like you kind of, your thought process changes and it's, you know, even if you're not in school, it's good to think like that because if you ever do go back, you're kind of, it's a different way to think instead of just kind of let orders come at you and, and do what, you know, the doctors or the nurse practitioners tell you, like pretend that you were in charge and how would you go about managing Right, the patient. Right, you know, it's good practice. I know that's pick something that Taylor's of... done. It's interesting because, like, even watching you, you'll watch like one of our doctors write his TPN and say, "Okay, yeah. how do you do this?" And like, what are you thinking about? And your notes and because every little thing, it's just with time. Yeah. you know, you learn over time. So yeah. absolutely, you know, if you wait until you are in clinicals or whatever, it's going to be a lot of information at once. So I do think that's good and a, a good resource. Right. Take advantage of where you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on the job, you're going to learn so much more than Mm -hmm. you're going to in a classroom. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is, we may edit this out. I'm just curious. Are there programs that go, like how your program was, um, that go directly into NNP? Or just, is it now set up that we have to be bedside first? Do we know the answer to that? I think as far as I know, they all require two years of bedside nursing. So the dynamic has changed a little bit. It has. But that's okay. I mean, I think you knew you wanted to be an NP. Yeah. It's just, I think, great. 
And there's more than one way to skin a cat, of course. But well, it speaks to those yeah. nurses that maybe have been a nurse just for two years. You right. know, like, and are if you're questioning whether you have enough experience, well, Karen did it without right. that side, and she's great. And so, she knew, you know, and she knew that's what she wanted to do. So yeah, that's actually really, really good, Bella. Um, do you have any? I always like to ask this before we head out because you've been so amazing. Do you have any a useful resource, podcast, Netflix, conference, any good tips or tricks for any of these NICU or NNP upcomers? I have a couple. Or current. So, if you're a neonatal nurse, you know of Nan, and Nan has a neonatal NP part to their system and that is worth um, being a part of Mm. and then my other piece of advice for new grad NNPs like Taylor in Mm. a couple of years uh, there is a conference in Florida by the Florida Association of NNPs that they do a NCC exam prep Uh conference and so it just really gets you ready for the exam and it's been around a long time since I took it. So. <laughs> that's good to know. That, that's a really yeah. good tip, actually. So thank you so much, Karen, for taking your time to come in here. I feel like today, I mean, I learned a lot, too. So thank you for coming in. I know Taylor and I were really excited to talk to you and sort of get the dynamics and learn a little bit more. And for sure, 100%, I know our listeners are just happy to have this information from you and your wisdom and your insight and I really we appreciate your time thank you thanks Tori thanks Taylor yay thank you wait before you leave I wanted to fill you all in many of you know I'm a Barco Uniforms partner this is the only brand of scrubs I have worn throughout my nursing career Barco Scrubs has been curating scrubs since 1929 a 91 year company and I wanted to let you know about this Barco Uniforms will be donating 10,000 scrubs each month to healthcare teams during the duration of this pandemic. So if you are a hospital, clinic, emergency services department, someone trying to make a difference, or maybe you know someone that is, please head over and fill out the form and gift these scrubs. Head over to www.barcouniforms.com. It is the first thing that pops up on their website. Thank you very much to Barco Uniforms for your paid partnership and helping me to produce this show. Thank you so much for joining me today, you guys. I just want you to know how much I value every single one of you. So as we head out, I want to let you know about some last things. First, check out those show notes below. They are full of resources for you. I've linked several NICU and NNP resources that we spoke about in this episode today. Secondly, please head over to rate and review the show. Your reviews help to support the show and mean the absolute world to me. You guys, I go through every single review. Not to mention, you will be entered to win something fun. When you submit a review, leave a comment for us at Selfie Podcast and let us know your favorite part of the show. Every month, we will be sending out some fun selfie swag to a few of you each month. So head over to enter to win some selfie swag. And you can find all of our episodes at www.tipsfromtory.com. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I cannot wait to bring you more funsies. Catch you next time.